In our Bible lessons from the first epistle of John, we consider chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, which we may entitle, Walking in the Light, a Condition of Fellowship with God and Salvation. We read these words in this passage. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. We have considered in the previous passage the matter of fellowship with God, and we have seen that this was John's burden, that he had found such a glorious relationship with God in salvation that he wanted everyone to partake of this blessed relationship, that this relationship involved an acceptance of the historical fact of the advent and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have in this passage emphasized the absolute necessity of forsaking all sin and a willingness to walk in the presence of God. Certainly this is intelligent and logical, because if we intend to go to heaven, that is certainly to be brought into closer range with the great God. And we cannot certainly enjoy his presence there if we have not turned from all sin. And we have no guarantee that there's going to be a change of moral character upon death. Moral character does not reside in the physical constitution, but in the inner spiritual man. And thus there is an imperative necessity that we turn from all sin if we are to have fellowship with God, and if we are to partake of salvation. So the first proposition of our text is this. God is light, and darkness is not in him in no wise. Light and darkness are two most common analogies given in the New Testament to picture holiness and sin. We think of light as a state of brightness or luminousness, and of darkness as the absence of light. The most glowing beauty of moral beings is that state of holiness or righteousness which is a conformity of the whole life and actions to the law of love. God alone can be said to be the embodiment of moral light. The Godhead are influenced by no other beings in their holiness. They are the source of all. There is nothing to hide in their conduct and all beings shall someday uphold every action of the deity. Salvation is the admittance by the grace of the Godhead into consciousness of divine life, a coming from far-off darkness of sin into the light of holiness, for which we have been qualified by the grace of God. We might render this passage before us thus, if we should say that fellowship we are continually having with him and in darkness should be continually walking about, we are showing ourselves deceitful and are not doing the truth. But if in the light we should be continually walking about, even as he is in the light, 
fellowship we are continually having with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, is continually cleansing us from all sin. We have put the word continually in to emphasize the force of the present tenses, which signify a durative action. Salvation is an admittance into fellowship with the Godhead. What a blessed thought to conceive. It is most evident that since God is light, we must walk about in moral light of God if we are to experience his fellowship. Evidently, many claimed in the lifetime of the apostles to be walking in fellowship with God, and yet by their conduct were denying the presence of the Godhead. Such are showing themselves deceitful and not doing the truth, the apostle wrote, and shall be forever lost. What is a walk in the light, we may ask? It is a living in the state of full consecration to God, withholding nothing for ourselves out of pure selfishness. It is to be willing fully to conform every part of our lives to the law of love or to the will of our Creator without any reservation. Does this state of complete openness to God mean that there will not be any falling into sin? Indeed not, but it does most emphatically imply that no sinful gratification will be habitually and continually practiced. It must be understood that to walk in the light does not mean that all are walking in the same degree of light, for we know that sin is according to light, and that some may do things and remain in the light or in the sphere of light, which others could not do because of their greater understanding. It appears that the normal Christian walk and growth is closer and closer to the source of light, although all in the area, so to speak, may be walking in good conscience in the light. If the radiant moral light of God, particularly through his word as made alive by the Holy Spirit, shows that a portion of our conduct is not according to the wise and holy course of love or benevolence, there are but two courses to take, none other. We can only continue in the light if we solemnly vow to give up whatever is in question or amend our ways by the grace of God. If we refuse to be governed by the new moral light that we receive, we become rebellious against God and are shut out from his radiant holiness. Once shut out, all kinds of old sins spring up with renewed vigor to enslave us. Alas, this is tragic, but I am afraid to our shame that all of us have been guilty for more or less extended periods of time of not obeying the light that has been brought to us by the Holy Spirit. To be overtaken in a fault or to fall into a sin is not to leave the realm of God's light. But when we come to ourselves in the realization of what has happened, we must most painfully and honestly repent at once and beseech God for forgiveness if we are not to be left in darkness. If we begin to make excuse and to defend our conduct before God, a serious situation is created which will soon leave us in moral darkness for at least a time. 
thank our God that while we have been left for brief times in our chosen darkness because of our obstinacy, we have not been abandoned there, but that after a time the Holy Spirit has again come to shine the moral light of God's truth upon us, if perchance we would hearken and abandon our ways. To walk in the light, then, does not mean a freedom from falling into sins out of weakness and ignorance, but that we be fully ready to obey God in whatever it is His will for us to be doing. It is a state of full consecration, and there is no salvation apart from this. But how can our fellowship with Him continue if we are more or less frequently falling into sin? By this, thanks be to our precious Savior, the blood of Jesus His Son is cleansing us from all sin. Every sin defiles the mind and conscience and must cause us to flee from the presence of God unless something is done about it quickly. We are not conscious of our defilement until light is perceived. When the child of God is instantly thrown into pain of heart, he must entirely lose his confidence in the mercy of God for the time being and draw away in despair if no quick action were taken. But thanks be to the sweet grace of the Lord Jesus. When we turn to him in humble confession, we are made conscious of the healing power of his blood to purify us again and thus qualify us to continue in the realm of God's holiness. It is thus that his atonement comes into perhaps frequent activity in the lives of God's children. Each time by repentance and faith in a similar manner to the first moment of salvation. By the very words cleansing us from all sin and especially by the use of a preposition which literally means away from and implies separation, we can only understand that a sinful action, once thus put away or dealt with, exists no more and will have no further consideration. Thanks be to God for such a wonderful message. Is this not a clear designation of what is required of man? Man was created to walk in the light of God's holiness. God endowed him with the qualifications of personality to perceive his great being and to enjoy his great being. Now we know that God is actually not literally light. This is figurative concerning God as well as concerning man. But it simply means, as we have portrayed, that God's actions are so righteous and so perfect that he is the embodiment of light figuratively in all his conduct. And so man was to enjoy the presence of his creator, extolling and worshiping God in his great and glorious moral light. But when man turned to his own selfish ways, his conduct would not find enjoyment in the manifestations of God's holiness. It is just like lifting a plank out in the backyard that has been in place for some time. 
we find that many bugs and small creatures of all sorts will have great disturbance when this is done because they do not find comfort in the new physical light that has shone upon them. And so man, if his deeds are not springing from a heart of love and devotion and a sincerity of purpose, cannot possibly find pleasure in God's presence and cannot possibly find fellowship, of course. And thus he chooses darkness, even as was written in the third chapter of John's Gospel and verse 20, For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deed should be reproved. But when there is a sincere repentance of heart, a desire to forsake all sin, an open confession to God and man of every sin, then the grace of God comes into play, and the grace of the Lord Jesus cleanses the heart by applying the death of Christ to the soul. And thus through faith, there is forgiveness, there is cleansing, there is restoration, and then there is continuous enjoyment of the light of holiness. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that Thou art willing to have to do with us who have walked in darkness, and Thou dost beckon all men to forsake their sins and to enter into the light of Thy holiness by Thy grace. We pray that many may do so in Jesus' name. Amen.